Welcome to the Nerd Trek Movie Club. Take a seat, grab some snacks, and buckle in for a very interesting uh, film this time. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff. More importantly, I'm here with my guest, uh, Ricardo. Thanks for joining me, sir. Hey, how are you, Jeff? Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Of course. No, I uh, thanks for doing this. I, I know I met you at Nerd Night uh, talking about films. And so I was like, hmm, a fellow film nerd. I must <laughs> talk to you about more films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I mean, as you saw at Nerd Night, man, I love movies. And um, I love the craft. I love the history. I, I love the art form. And um, I, I obviously, as I'm here, I love talking about them. And uh, so, yeah, it's, that, it's, that's, it, it's a huge part of my life, if not my life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's one of the great things is that film can – cover so many genres and you know different stories and everyone can relate in some way to something going on and there's there's a story for everyone out there and there's just so many i mean film has just come a long way in a hundred years you know yeah (laughs) uh, there's so much now that i mean because even in like the 90s i don't think they could imagine what's being made now yeah i mean uh, i was just um talking about the whole um like the digital age recently about how like i I guess we just kind of always assume or just imagine that like digital effects have just kind of just been there but like it kind of started in the modern way with jurassic park and you don't really think of that movie as being like a lavish kind of digital movie because like i don't know it's, it's mostly people but there's also dinosaurs but the real achievement of that film is you not thinking that there's cgi there there's not digital effects in its very pure early form you know like the audience really believes they're dinosaurs and when i was talking about it i was like thinking to myself like when i first saw it i was i was a little kid and as most people who saw it i was freaking terrified (laughs) like like the scene where you know the guy gets ripped out of the out of the the bathroom the porta potty and then when he's chasing after jeff goldblum and and he turns around and his legs all messed up and, and like you really believe that it's like well, yeah, they had things on set that the actors can interact with, but that's all digital. And, like, it looks so good. And in some ways, it looks better than the some of the effects we see nowadays. And it, it's just mind-blowing. That, that That's the movie that kind of kicked off, you know, this, like, post-production visual effects, digital CGI stuff, you know? Right. Yeah, because especially before then, I mean, you, you know, because I always kind of picture the, like, CG effects of, like, uh, Tron and stuff yeah. like that, where it's like you know, <laughs> kind of hyper real. It's very computer esque, yeah, yeah. Um, like that that kind of vibe. Um, and it's such a great thing. I I love that series on Netflix. The 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 movies that made us, mm-hmm. and it gets kind of that like a behind the scenes thing. And yeah, watching the Jurassic Park one, I just never realized. Like I knew there was CG in it, but I didn't realize it was like the yeah, first yeah. like huge like. You can't tell. It's pretty seamless. It's that good mix of of the animatronics and you know real lives and then CG. It's, it's and they they blend it so well. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's mind blowing because yeah, as in the '90s, no one really thought, no one really, I mean, no one really knew what digital CGI, you know, effects really were, mm-hmm. and it's such a new thing. So it's like, I mean, I loved it as a kid, like most people did, but I can't imagine to be an adult back then and have seen it because if you were an adult, you're just kind of like, how did they do this? As a kid, you just accept it and you're terrified of it, you know. Right. But if for adults, it's like. Well, the last couple of movies I saw, the effects were terrible, or you could see the wire or something, or, you know. And, oh, yeah. But also, too, I mean, before Jurassic Park, most of the time, if you use some kind of effects like to achieve what they were trying to achieve, it was done through miniatures or through stop motion. Um, you know, those are kind of like the go to's. Like, if you wanted like a monster, basically a monster movie, if you wanted like a yeah. Godzilla, you probably use stop motion um or you know or a combination of stop motion and miniatures to kind of achieve like the monster movements um and it's funny because spielberg was saying how early on like when he was making the movie they're like we have to figure out a way to get the dinosaurs to run and they're just like well we can't do that we can build giant dinosaurs but we can't get them to run after people so if it was not for the digital aspect of of what they were able to achieve at ilm then the movie probably would have ended up being more like Jaws, where you don't really see the monster. Yeah. Or they wouldn't have made it at all. I mean, who knows? I mean, I guess it's all cinema history now. I mean, there's no way of knowing that, but um, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, film has come such a long way. I mean, just even probably the past 10 years, you know, especially with things like Avatar and motion capture and 3D yeah. and everything oh else. It's like, it's a whole... Yeah. But then it's but then you also get that that kind of side of it where I mean, it's interesting that Spielberg w- was kind of the first of bringing the CG you know out and making it good and then that, but he's also kind of like well I, you know I still film on film and kind of that old school <laughs> yeah. vibe but then he's also you know then you get to like ready a player one which is more uh, kind of diving into more of that digital world so it's 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 interesting just just to see the progression of where things are going. I mean, yeah, from like Jaws to that. I mean, Spielberg alone is has kind of covered everything. Yeah, it's it's a pretty wild resume that he has. I mean, there's there's you know, there's really nobody in that you can really compare him to. I mean, even like in the early parts of his career, you would have compared him to like whoever were the commercially successful directors of the previous era. But even those guys looking at it all, like looking back at the last hundred years of cinema, the guys that came before him and nobody since then has really had a resume that's like where the subject matter is so varied, mm-hmm. you know, who's also had like hit after hit. I mean, there's like maybe like one or two movies that probably didn't really connect with audiences or maybe they didn't they didn't make as much money as they would have expected or hoped. But like, I mean, to have like 25 some odd hits yeah. and then to still be working is really like, I mean, it's nothing short of like legendary. It's like. There's, there's oh, no absolutely. there's no frame of reference to compare it to like you know you look at like John Ford or David Lean or you know just all these like big movie directors of the 30s 40s and 50s and 60s and even those guys they kind of had a shelf life you know but it seems like yeah. Spielberg is uh, still going strong I mean what Jaws is what 1975 yeah and he's already you know I mean it's that's pretty much 50 years you know <laughs> yeah i mean he's been doing this for a long time yeah it's yeah. um I, I think it kind of speaks to his longevity but then also 
the adaptability of it, of of what he can do and kind of like, okay, these are the times and this is what kind of how filmmaking is now. And then, you know, just good, good story as well. He seems to really love doing it. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, also, too, I guess I guess, it, you know, if you're good at something, why stop doing it unless you don't want to do it? But I mean, if you like doing what you're doing and you're good at that thing, it's like, why not just keep doing it until you're dead? You know, it's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clint, Clint Eastwood's still doing it. I mean, and he's in his 90s, I think. Yeah, he's he's got it. Yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's, he's doing well. his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's pretty well. And Scorsese too. I mean, he's still working. Yeah, he's got a pretty big movie coming out this year, and yeah. he's had a career just as long as Spielberg. I mean, they both started in the seventies, and it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. There is an old thing that people used to talk about, where like you do your as an artist, you do your best work in your forties and fifties, mm. and like these guys seem to like totally be, you know, blowing that on its head. You know, like. They're like in their 70s. I think Scorsese's older than Spielberg, actually. And, you know, he's got this movie that is, you know, already kind of uh, exciting people, I should say. And, or, you know, it did the kind of festival circuit where people are talking about it and stuff. And and uh, I'm excited, you know. It definitely makes me feel good about being older. Like, okay, well, there's life doesn't yeah. end when you you know, in your fifties or something, you know, like you could, you could still be useful to the world. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be the Orson Welles of making, you know, Citizen Kane <laughs> in your, your twenties, you can make a great film, you know, into your sixties or seventies or well, you know, and I kind of go back to that, like, you know, when did Sam Jackson get big? It wasn't really yeah, till yeah. he was a little, a little bit point. older or like Ian McKellen, you know, no one really knew who he was until like X-Men and Lord of the Rings. And that was yeah, only yeah. 20 years ago. Um, so, I mean, dude, you just never know. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, a lot of those guys were, like, doing theater just hoping for a break, you know. Yeah. And, and, I mean, they were, like, respected within their circles and community, and they were obviously working to a certain degree. But, you know, like you said, I mean, McKellen didn't – I mean, we all know him because he's Gandalf. We all know yeah. him because he's Magneto. But, like, he's probably been doing theater for, you know, since he was yeah, as for, young as you or I, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, for decades, yeah. probably that, you know, and he was just probably big on the theater circuit. But, yeah, 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 but then, yeah, once you're huge and you're in these giant movies, then it's a whole different world. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, well, let's t- talk about you. You picked an interesting film, um, <laughs> which kind of surprised me because I was like, I. Did you watch it? Oh, of course. Yeah. No, oh, I watched okay. it. It is available okay. on, on YouTube, but you picked I'm here, which is a short film from 2010 by Spike Jones. That's correct. Um, why did you pick this one? Well, uh, two reasons. Uh, one, I just absolutely, I've always loved this movie. Uh, I, I saw it when it first came out back in 2010. And, um, I, second reason is I knew that you hadn't seen it. <laughs> That's because, fair. Um, yeah. for, and I, I wanted to pick something that was just kind of fresh. For, like if you if you were to watch it, which I, which you say you did, I wanted it to be like something that was fresh on your mind, not like something that you were like reaching back into your memory to remember. Like if I said like, hey, let's talk about Raiders, you know, like everybody's yeah. seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, like. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So the yeah. memory of that movie, although it's a fucking classic and it's one of the greatest movies ever made in my opinion, it's kind of tainted with the public discussion on it. You know what I mean? Like. It's yeah. the greatest movie ever made to people like you or I, but it's also the greatest ever movie made because of the public discourse that has lifted it up and kept it there for so long, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I love 
uh, I'm Here. Spike Jones, I think, is a phenomenal filmmaker. He's one of those people that I wish made more movies. Like, I yeah. don't see his work enough. And But at the same time, the things that he has done have left an incredible impact on me. There's always just, like, kind of like a, a slightly absurd premise mm-hmm. with this, like, incredibly human story throughout. And I just, yeah. I just love that. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, that's, that's, I don't know if I would say that's, uh, my favorite genre per se, but I think that's its own genre. Like to have like, uh, I don't want to say science fiction either because like you can have an absurd premise and not be science fiction. I mean, yeah. although this movie essentially is science fiction, but I like something that's just like absurd, but moving and, uh, that could be something that's, you know, a drama with like a slightly absurd premise, but, but anyway, yeah. um, well, and I, that, I, that I, kind I of fits, movie, yeah. that kind of fits what he does. Cause even with like, you know, her, um, it's a little mm-hmm. bit absurd. You know, he, this guy falls for, for the AI in his phone, Yeah. yeah. but it's like, but it's a really human story. And it's like, especially as time goes on, you're like this, this isn't as far fetched as we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That exactly. That's exactly what I felt when I watched it. And hers, another one of my uh, uh, big favorites of mine. Uh, yeah, I like all of his work, man. He's the first one I ever saw was um, being John Malkovich. Yeah, um, and that was like really fucking, you know, <laughs> just kind of like that's a weird ass movie. Yeah, you watch it and just kind of like, what am I feeling? You know, like, <laughs> and I like that. I like I like movies that kind of leave me with something like I feel different than um, like. The, the the watching the film is an experience where like I was one way before the film and then I'm something else at the end of it. And I, I his movies do that every single time, every time jo- John Malkovich one. Uh, I love where the wild things are. Uh, and of course, her was a, was a big one for me. And uh, but yeah, I picked I'm here because I knew a lot. A lot of people don't see short film just because they don't really get a lot of showings. Yeah. Um, Nowadays, they usually end up on streamers, which is great. So you can still have an opportunity to watch them. Mm-hmm. But um, I love um, seeing things in the theater. And, oh, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I used to host um, screenings at my old place, you know, for stuff like this that, like, didn't get a theatrical, a nice theatrical release. Like, they would go to, like, the festival circuit, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'd always have my ear to the ground for, like, you know, what's the new short film? What's the new thing that's not going to be in theaters? So like I would get a copy of it usually, you know, you know, <laughs> illegally, you know, or something. <laughs> and uh, stuff I would happens. Just set up the projector yeah. and have yeah. a few friends come over and we'd just watch it. And I remember every time I would show this this movie or one time I did a screening, you know, not at my place, but um, at my friend's office. And I remember uh, this girl had texted me and she was like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" I'm like, "Well, I'm I'm, I'm hosting a screening. You should come by." And she came by. And I remember she was crying at the end of it. Like, she's like, I just did not expect to feel that way when you said come to the movies. I thought it was just going to be like, just see a movie, you know? And I'm like, that's, that's the beauty of cinema. Like that's a lot of people don't see great movies. That's just the truth. They see a lot of like content and like a lot of things that are kind of made for entertainment value, which still can be great art. You know, there's, you know, there still can be great craftsmanship and great intent and great and be very moving. But a lot of things that people see on average are just kind of like these kind of visceral experiences where they're just kind of like watching violence for the the the, the ability to be cathartic, you know, like it's just mm-hmm. kind of and I and I, I like that too. I mean it's not there's nothing against that. 
But when you see something that's really great and you're really moved by it, for me, that's like, this is what I've been trying to tell you guys. This is how great cinema can be, you know, like, yeah. like, I don't want to be some like movie snob me like oh, I've seen all the best <laughs> movies. I'm like, no, I want to share them with you. And I want to be like, dude, this is this is really great. You know, like, so I'm here being this kind of like science fiction love story between two robots. I'm yeah. like, you guys got to see this. It's it's something it's a really special gem, you know. Oh, definitely. And just even like starting it, I mean, I, I had zero expectations of, of what this, <laughs> this was going to be about. Um, and it kind of, it takes a few turns and it is like, I, I hate to say that it's surprisingly emotional, which it is, but it's, but I mean, I think you can find emotion and connection in non-human things, you know, look yeah, at yeah. every, like, you know, every Pixar movie is is like that um but yeah this is a, a love story between two different types of robots and um he kind of piece by piece gives himself to her literally um yeah. <laughs> and it's and i had so many questions at the end of it i was like um are the are these robots like you know obviously they're sentient you know but there's rules like they can't drive cars are they in like very labor kind of service industries um what's society like with these robots that like they're just there but they know that they're robots because they're 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 cognizant and they have awareness mm -hmm. um and they're just stay plugged in all night which has got to like drive them insane um <laughs> But then she's losing parts of herself. And I'm like, why is she losing parts of herself? What's happening to her at night? And it's just, <laughs> like, I had so many questions. Like, what is she doing that's that's so hard that she can't keep it together, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, to me, was uh, a huge part of the, like, telling that story. Like, it almost kind of doesn't even matter. Like, I, I felt that way, too, where I was kind of asking myself those questions. Like, like when you're, like, in the audience and you're watching, you're just like, why can't she just, like, keep it together? What the fuck? You know? Yeah. Like you're making life so much harder for your partner or this other guy. And then you realize that like, that's not really the story. Mm. I mean, but I mean, it's, it's still important. Um, but it's kind of like, what matters is that like, that he's there for her, you know, yeah. regardless. I didn't realize it until, you know, afterwards that like, uh, the story was, uh, based off the giving tree. I didn't make that connection at all. Oh, um, I barely even remember the giving tree. Like, the, the yeah, book, you know, that, that makes uh, I, sense, though. I remember reading it at probably like in, you know, elementary school or something, you know, in a class, you know, we're all group reading it all together or something like that. But uh, I remember reading a review about the movie and, and hearing that it was a base off of The Giving Tree. And I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Because uh, yeah. then he's got nothing else left to give at the end. It's just just the, the, the you know, uh, the, the last part of himself. But, uh, right. but you pointed out a really good thing about um, how you could find emotion in non-human things. Because I was thinking like for an actor's performance, I mean, the, 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 the main way we normally, the audience connects with an actor's performance is with their face, mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily what, even what they say, just like how their face moves, particularly, you know, their eyes. Yeah. And so you have these actors in these robot costumes and they're just like these blocky kind of robot costumes that are just like the most, non-looking human face you could imagine you know like it's oh yeah just like a i mean they put like digital they digital uh, little, uh you know like kind of uh eyes and mouth and that kind of stuff um 
but like the fact that these actors were able to communicate their emotions is so interesting and, and, it, and it shows how talented they are physically too because mm-hmm. in my opinion like you know you should be able to communicate your emotions physically like if you watch andrew garfield is actually the i mean i don't know if you notice that he's the, he's the the male yeah. uh, robot in the in the love story and what i've always loved about andrew garfield is how physical he is as an actor and i didn't realize it until i saw him as spider-man right and there's so much he communicates and how he when he's wearing the suit that i think is so perfect that i think that the character was kind of missing like i i love all the interpretations of it i love toby and you know that's what i grew up on is the, the oh, yeah. toby version but I, you know tom holland is obviously a great talent um but there's something that andrew does that like he's able i mean you're wearing a mask like your entire body is covered and yet somehow he's able to communicate the through physical comedy too, like these jokes and the movements and the drama of it all and the intensity and the, the sad parts. And I just, I love that. And then I went back and after I saw Spider-Man, the, the first one the, with him, and I saw this movie again and I'm like, damn, that, that's him again. He's doing it again. I mean, it, whether he's wearing a robot suit or in, um, in the Spider-Man suit, he's incredibly gifted. And that takes a lot of talent. And I, I think there's a lot of actors that probably couldn't have pulled the connection with that character off it and, and i'm here there's not a lot of characters actors probably couldn't do spider-man either but i'm yeah. here is a bit more um you know there's there's a dramatic weight there that he's able to do and it's very understated too mm-hmm. you know like because he's like he's just kind of allowing her you know he's not drawing the line in his devotion to her so he's just like you know, letting her go farther and farther and whatever she needs he'll do it and um, right um and uh, yeah, that's it, it's it's very moving film. Yeah, yeah, his performance in it, and it, I I didn't even recognize him until the actual you know credits rolled and it's and it said his name, um, and I think partially is this I don't ever see anything with his his normal accent, um, so that kind of you know throws me off. But yeah, yeah, people forget that he's British too. That's funny. yeah, um, but yeah, like when you watch it, I mean, obviously you see the the kind of the mechanical head arms and legs but his body is very fluid he he moves very, like very comfortably um like that so you know, like like so whatever's underneath his clothes it 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 moves like a human and and he does move very well with it um yeah and then it, it's it's interesting how in some way he's he's kind of this like sad version you know he's just kind of going through life work home work home and then he yeah. meets this like sort of manic pixie dream girl and <laughs> yeah. kind of this, this way and he's like oh well this is like the spark of my life and 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 she just keeps pushing him in some ways and i was very torn because i saw this as two ways is one where you've got the kind of toxic person in a relationship who just keeps taking and taking and taking and the other one just keeps giving and giving but then i felt like that's very jaded and I was like, no, she's he's just supporting the person that he loves, yeah, yeah. and in in whatever way he he can. And so then I was, but then I was started wondering what that says about me if I kind of go the like oh, the jaded route first. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, but he he gives her everything. He he gives her his entire body, and it's just his his head left. I mean, which would be, I guess, his consciousness, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I um I, I had a, a similar feeling too, you know, just like the, there's an old expression that you know how you how you see a piece of art 
says more about you than what than the piece of art yeah and um and again that's 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 when you know you have great cinema when it kind of awakens something in you and you learn more about yourself And, and that's just my personal view but i think when you have a really great piece of art whether it's a 30 minute short film like this or like a you know a grand epic feature or something you know uh when it when it kind of awakens something in you and really challenges you to like look inward then you're working with something that's like really special and he does that in a lot of his movies. I mean, like, you know, you mentioned yeah. her. Um, and, he, and again, with I keep going back to John Malkovich because I remember seeing that movie, like, and just being so like, what the heck am I seeing? But then having like these great questions. And I didn't see it when it first came out. I saw it like, I saw it in, I think it came out in 99. And I think I first saw it in 2004. Okay. And um, I just remember being like, wow. Like, and it's intimidating because if you're somebody that like, loves movies like i do and also wants to make movies when you see movies like that great you think like this is how good cinema can be but should i even try to make movies because like am i ever going to make something this great you know what i mean like it's that's and that's the feeling that i often have when i have something and that's that's when you know in my opinion where you you really see something that is like special you know when it makes you kind of question if you're good enough to to do that job you know in any capacity whether are you good enough to be the the assistant film editor are you good enough to be you know the associate producer are you good enough to be the second ad you know uh are you good enough to be like you know a a walk-on day player and have one line you know opposite Mm -hmm. you know john malkovich or something you know (laughs) yeah um so yeah it's 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 an incredible uh work and every once in a while i'll rewatch. i'm here I have a, a copy of it, a digital copy of my computer, and I've, I've, it's one of the things where I've, I've kept close. Like I'll have it in like in a folder, like in my document, you know, my documents folder, like that I can readily see. Just ready to go back to. Yeah, yeah. it's it, and it's it's just so great. And um, ever since COVID, I haven't done any um, screenings, which I'm probably going to start start that back up in Florida again, where. Uh, uh, not just for the short films that I make, but just just to like show people that I know, you know, that like, hey, there's other films out there that you're probably not going to see, and you know, right. come come hang out and watch this, you know, this it, it might it might change your life, you know. Gee, well, and then kind of speaking of short films, I mean, um, I feel like there's a very limited audience, yeah, unless you do the like the film circuit or you know festivals, um, or you know someone who knows someone, or you know someone's hosting a screening. I think the vast majority of people are never going to see this. You know, this is probably more for yeah. like kind of, kind of industry people. Um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of times it's it's to your point too. It's it's because they're trying to get a job. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a proof of concept. Usually, yeah. um, you know, if you're just starting out, you'll do a short film because you're like trying to convince studio executives that you have what it takes to, you know, to take on a budget with something a bit larger or long format. Uh, and and most of the time you'll see a short film. Uh, it'll be if it's somebody that's already established. It's usually probably like a just like a passion project. Yeah. Um, that's not really meant to be shown in a lot of places or have some type of wide release, or it's something that like is kind of meant to be a commercial. Um, mm. And I, I, this particular movie actually was funded by Absolute Vodka. So oh. in that case, you know, like it kind of acts as a commercial in a way. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, it's not commercial. I don't think it's like commercial in a general sense, but it's fascinating to think that like, you know, that's the process. 
and a lot of um you know i don't know how they used to do it too much i know there was a period where like you could see uh, a shorter version a shorter film but they would put it in like a double feature so mm. like oh yeah you could you would like go in and you would see two short films or maybe even three or four and there would be like these intermissions in between to kind of like make up for the the ticket price you know mm-hmm. um but it's it's kind of different now because you know the era of the multiplex so like every theater now has multiple theaters within it you know you could see multiple movies at one time yeah. and a lot of people don't know this but you know 60 70 years ago the average theater had one theater so you went in and there were like four showings a day for that one theater and you know if you wanted to see a short film what they would do is if it was short enough they kind of attached that short film before the feature mm-hmm. and I, i'm not sure how the pricing worked i'm assuming that it was all included in one ticket price so you could like see the short film and stay for the for the feature but yeah. which is kind of a wild concept because movies at that time were very long so you're like watching a you know 20 minute movie maybe a 30 minute movie and then you see like a two and a half three hour movie afterwards yeah you know? this is, this and, is and, like like an all-day yeah. event yeah yeah and, and back then i mean most movies that were that long usually had intermissions anyway so you could like go to the bathroom buy more popcorn drinks and that kind of thing but once the multiplex came in and you know theaters started to have multiple screens in yeah. one space you know that was like life-changing for studios because they could they could have more showings and basically make more money so right uh, which actually encouraged a lot of movies to be shorter so that they can fit more showings per day. And if you notice now, that's kind of, their movies are getting longer and longer and longer again. And yeah. there are some studio executives who are pushing back against that. Even, even some um, theater owners, because they want to be able to squeeze in more showings. Sure. You know, if you have one movie that's three and a half hours, like a, a, like a superhero movie or something, they're like, well, we're gonna have to take over more theaters and it's gonna push out other movies. If you just make your movie a little bit shorter, we can have more showings, still have a couple of screens, and then keep room for the diversity of the movies coming in. Right. Um, if they're all doing well. But nowadays, most movies are franchise, but big budget movies anyway. So, you know, they're going to get the small busy and get pushed out anyway. So, yeah. I think just even in the past like two weeks, I was going to try and go see a movie, and it was like, it was Guardians, The Flash, Transformers, and, you know, Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like the and those are all like two hour, two and a half hour films. Yeah, and they're all franchise movies. So it's like yeah. unless you're like in um you know, I mean I go to the when I'm here in California, I go to the Burbank AMC. And that's a great one because there's a mixture of it's one of the few theaters. I mean, obviously we're in Los Angeles, so like mm-hmm. in Los Angeles you're gonna be able to see any movie that you want if you go to the right theater. Right. Um, but the Burbank one uh, is great because they have, like, right now it's playing Past Lives, which I loved. Um, but it's it's, it's play, obviously playing the big budget movies, but it's also playing Past Lives. It's also playing, uh, I think I saw God is a Bullet on the on the Showtimes. Um, that's, I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And, um, but yeah, there's, it's, you don't really get a lot of that diversity of films. If you go to a smaller town, um they're not going to have these other movies. They're not going to have Wes Anderson's new movie. It's just, they're just not going to have it. Right. Um, they're only going to have the big budget movies. And one of the things that I brought up at Nerd Night when I was saying how, like, you know, I don't like to shit on any of these celebrities or anything. They're all just trying to make their living. 
but there was a quote that where Robert Downey Jr. said there's room for all of us mm-hmm. in response to the Scorsese quote. And the reality is there's not room for everybody. Like it's it's kind of either either he's being purposely disingenuous or he doesn't understand how like business works. Like, yeah. you know, like studio executives, they may love movies, but like they're in the business to make money. They're not in the sure. business to like make room for everybody. And if something is making money, they're just going to keep copying that thing until it doesn't make money. And what we're seeing right now with <laughs> with like the Flash yeah. is like they've kind of run that well dry. I mean, there's a couple of movies that came out this year that should have been sure shots. Now, obviously, the Flash had its own controversies with with Ezra Miller and yeah. and um, you know with the writers' strike, they can't really promote on late night TV the way they would normally promote. But a lot of little factors that kind of hurt its box office. But the reality is, like, this is a movie that has a $200 million marketing budget on top of its $200 million production budget. Mm-hmm. They can make sure that you go to see this. And it's a, it's got a couple of famous stars in it. I mean, you have Michael Keaton, one of the greatest right. actors of our generation. Ben Affleck, you know, he's a huge star. And people are, like, outwardly rejecting it. They're just, like, not going to see it. Like, yeah. not even its core fan base is going to see it. So that's, like... There's there's something happening in cinema where like if a Marvel movie doesn't do well, a DC movie doesn't do well, you know, a couple other big franchise movies are doing like they're just barely making their their break even point. Mm-hmm. It's like something is happening where people are kind of rejecting um, these types of movies. And, you know, I'm it's, it's a kind of a small uh, group to kind of devise a conclusion from. Yeah. But I think when this year is over, we're going to look back in 2023. And if we see flop after flop after flop after flop, it's like maybe we should try something else, guys. You know, and yeah, I was just recently looking at the projections for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which obviously I'm excited for. It's Indiana Jones. James yeah. Mangold is a phenomenal filmmaker. And, you know, just seeing Harrison Ford in the in the hat is just cool. So I'll be there this weekend. Yep, I'll see but I was looking at the projections and it doesn't it doesn't look good for that movie. You know, it doesn't look it should be a sure fire hit. And like these short fire, these in normal times, these would have been short fire hits. And now it's like yeah. struggling to break even. That's that's something's happening in cinema right now. But it, and I agree. I because um, I'm a huge uh, the Flash fan. I, I grew up in like the 90s reading Flash comics, you know, Wally West. Like that was my my introduction to comics uh, was that. And I just I. I'm kind of Luke. I, I still haven't seen the film yet. I and oh, I don't wow. know if I will. Wait, um, so you're a fan and yeah. you still haven't even seen it? Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for it just to be on HBO Max and I'll watch it there for free. <laughs> so I'm so, not. I mean, that just, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't want to rush to any conclusions, but I mean, that right there is, is it, man. In yeah. normal times, the core fan base would be rushing to see this on the preview night. On the right. midnight show, like midnight, yeah, waiting in line, yep. Yeah, and now it's like, if you are a hardcore fan and you still haven't seen it, then that 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 genre is in trouble. And, yeah. Well, and but then I think, you know. but there's there's still hope because then the new Spider Verse movie was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And the animation's awesome. amazing, and the story's amazing, and like Miles as a character is just, and what they're doing with it is so radically different. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I hear that the working conditions were not the best because they're trying to like get this out fast, but yeah, I mean, I but it's an amazing film, and so I think yeah, it's awesome. It, 
But I think it goes back to a lot of just that quality is that don't just put out, you know, a black Adam, put out <laughs> something with some like meat to it, which is, yeah. but so it, there are things that do give me hope. It's like, cause when I first saw everything everywhere all at once in the theater, I was like, this should never have been made. This is not a film that is commercial. It's weird. It's weird as fuck. And one of the most heartbreaking scenes is rocks with googly eyes. And you're like, <laughs> this should not have been made. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a, and, and it's one of those films where, like you said, I, I went in as one person and I left as a questioning a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of that, that old school cinema where it was like, it was in theaters for a long time. It had great word of mouth mm-hmm. and it just kept building and building and building. And that's, Unless you make $200 million your opening weekend, it's just not the same. And that movie, like most movies, they get to award season. They put it back in theaters after it wins awards. Yeah. They can capitalize on that on that that press, that good press. Because And for good reason. Like, the best movies should be in theaters longer so we can see them over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and because uh, that's – there's no better place to see to experience a movie than in the theater. The, the bedroom, the the living room, these are these are not good places. The, the cell phone. Right. Sometimes, honestly, if you see a movie on a cell phone or a laptop screen, <laughs> you didn't see that movie. You didn't see. No. It. And even, and I I completely agree. I think I'm I'm a big physical media person, and I'm a big going to the theater because that's how they're filmed. Even if you go see some low budget horror film, watching mm-hmm. it in the dark for. 90 minutes and I'm a big proponent of like, let's make more 90 minute films because I don't want my entire day to be seeing one. movie. <laughs> um, but like I went and saw Pogeyman and that's a 90 minute, you know, horror film about the, the monster in your closet. And, it, but it's, it's that environment of being dark, being around other people and you're yeah. having this shared experience. And that still means something, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think about it as almost as like it's a kind of a meditative experience. Mm-hmm. Being being in a movie theater remain and nowadays more than ever, it's the one place where like you can really get people to not be looking at anything else. They're yeah. not looking at their phones where they're not supposed to. <laughs> right. Um, they're not looking at their phones, they're not talking to somebody. Like they're really expected to be immersed in this experience where like you're in front of this large screen. The room is blacked out. The only thing you can see is what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And God willing, the sound is going to be great if you're in a good <laughs> theater. And like, that's all you're meant to be doing. That's rare in our modern society. Like maybe a hundred years ago, that would have been like, that's just the norm. You know, like you do one thing at a time. You know, we all look at this one thing. We all talk about one thing. But now yeah. it's like we're just inundated with stuff constantly with our screens and our, you know, our phones, our laptops, our TVs. Everything is just... Everything's at our fingertips. So mm-hmm. to like put that away for a moment and to be in the presence of this this piece of art for an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours is like it's really it's it's like the, the most meditation many of us will ever do. <laughs> and I right. love it. I, I you know, it's I, I'm transformed by meditation and, and film is my ultimate way to, to meditate. Yeah, no. And there's definitely because even though I know how, you know, there's there's parts of my my brain where as I'm watching a film, I, I know how it's, it was made. I'm like, Oh, you know, there's a guy in a suit doing this, but then there's also those parts of my brain where I just get so immersed and you get lost and you know, like, is that monster in that closet? Is that girl going to make it out safe? It's like, (laughs) even though logically I know, you know, she's going to survive, 
there's still that like what could happen who who knows what's going to happen because things are so different now and it's like and and that's what i like about film especially film in a theater is that it just it pulls you in um if it's a rom-com or sci-fi or fantasy whatever it is like you get pulled into that world for for two hours and and that's that's your entire life yeah yeah and it changes you like it does i mean i i i was i think when i was preparing for nerd night i was talking about you know that little bit like i look sprinkled a little bit of history i couldn't do too much because we only have a short bit of time there Mm -hmm. you know with our talks but I, i always think about like how jaws like really fucked people up like they they released that movie in the summer when people are going to the beach (laughs) and like there was this like craze across the entire country where people weren't getting in the water in the summer of 1975 people were terrified to literally get in the water yeah and it wasn't because they had actually seen a shark because just like the movie you don't really see the shark but the the feeling that you might see one or it might be near you we're keeping people like on the shore. You're keeping people on the sand. They were not getting in the water. And there was like news stories about it all across the country that people were, they were going to the beach but not getting in the water or not going to the beach at all. Yeah. And that's just so fascinating that like that this this movie was so effective and so it immersed the audience so much that it scared the shit out of every person in the country, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like right and, in time for summer, which is so funny, you know. Yeah. And and that could be such a rare thing these days because for well, I guess for whatever reason, societal changes, you know, more people know how films are made and, and all that, but it's just, you don't get that same kind of, you know, crown swell of, of, of how impactful it is. It's, you know, you, cause you always hear stories of like, you know, the exorcist or the jaws or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I still remember, what was it? I think when the, the mummy came out in night in the late nineties, people, they <laughs> were giving out like, um, you know, uh, vomit bags, because they're like, it's so scary. Here's a bag just in case you you throw up. And I was like, is it that bad? Like, it, you know, it, it creates or it's like uh, the Blair Witch. I remember when when Blair Witch came out and I legitimately was like, how are they releasing this movie? People died. Why is no one upset about it? And then, of course, they come on Leno and, you're just, and I'm like, shit, that's some good marketing. Like, God damn. Yeah, it's they, a movie. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was all a film, and it was just like yeah. that's that's the like full experience. That's good. Yeah, getting people to believe is 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 hard, and when you can do it right, it's it shows how good you are. Mm-hmm. And 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 you pointed out something too. It's, it doesn't happen in the same way nowadays because you know for a lot of reasons, but for me personally, I, I think it's one two things. One. Everyone nowadays, for the for the most part, they know what the ingredients are. You know, like they yeah. know they they know how the sauce is made. So, like when you peek behind the curtain too often, it's it has a hard, you have a hard time believing what's on the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like because we're so inundated with things, I think that movies have to compete for the cultural conversation in a way that they didn't really have to in the past. Like when 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 the motion picture camera was invented and you know movies became a business it became like the thing to do like you would go on dates you have family outings it was just always like a fun thing to do and like one of the funnest things to do and then there was a time where it was just the ultimate thing and yeah. that ultimate thing to do became like 
our cultural conversation. It was like what you talked about at school the next day, or what you talked about at work the next day. And usually, again, those movies stayed in theaters for the whole year, mm-hmm. you know, you know, for the for months and months and months and months. So like they were the the pinnacle of our conversation and how we decided on things and you know how we looked at the world. And now movies are kind of like they're not. Well, excuse me, the, the cinema per se, the specific of being in the movie theater is not the same thing because people didn't yeah. see Jaws on TV. They saw it in the movie theaters, you yep. know? And now it's like if I were to watch something, no matter how good it is, on a TV or on a laptop, it's not going to be as impactful to me because I can just swipe away from it. Yep. And there's so many things coming at us, you know, content creation and all these types of other things and channels and it's like those things are dominating the cultural conversation and even those things aren't lasting very long and movies yeah. having to compete for that for your attention it changes how they're made and how we believe in them and and again i i, mean, I don't want to harp on the flash but i feel like the in normal times this would have been the biggest movie of the year if if not yeah. at least top three you know like it would have been like we would have looked at 2023 and it would have been Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, and The Flash. Yeah, those would have been like the three biggest movies of the year, and uh, it's like it's struggling to like make its 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 budget, its production and marketing budget. Yeah, it's 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 not doing well, and and uh, I mean I I think it's I don't think it's just an indictment on the genre. I think it's kind of an indictment on on just the state of the world. You know, like. That's that's like that's like Michael Jordan missing a free throw. Like I don't understand why <laughs> Warner Brothers right. is the is supposed to be the greatest studio in the history of the art form. Yeah. Like this should be a slam dunk for them, you know, like I, I I'm I'm blown yeah. away by it. And I didn't hate the movie by the way. I, so I mean I you should definitely see it. I mean if you're a fan of the comics, you I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah. But I mean I enjoyed it to a point. I liked the first half and um but but whether I enjoyed it or not is not the point. The point is that it's it's a it's a well acted, well crafted, big budget movie. Everybody in normal times would be seeing that, you know. Right. This would be like yeah, the like huge event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and but and and you're right. It speaks to the times, which is like whether it's things in the news, like the whole Titanic submersible thing. It's like oh, it's a big story for five days, and then it, it's going to go away, mm-hmm. or. You know, the, the big world events happen, you know, and then or a, a movie comes out, it's culturally relevant for a week and then it goes away. And it's like unless you make that big impact, it's 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 just so different now where things are viral and it's very intense for those several days and then it fades and we're on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 scary how fast the world has changed and is changing as as we're speaking it's just it's yeah. like if, when things move so fast like what what's the norm what do you hold on to what yeah what's the next what, worldwide catastrophe that we're going to be freaked out about yeah yeah well whatever it is it's going to come but you know very soon <laughs> right exactly <laughs> happens so quickly yeah um well this has been a great talk i i greatly appreciate you coming on talking about film and cinema absolutely and it's, it's it's always enjoyable just to find another film nerd <laughs> and talk about everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. This is yeah. this, this is great talk. Cool. And uh, you are always welcome back if if you ever want to. Um, thank you. Thank you can you. go pick some other random obscure movie, and then we can 
discuss I know, that. I know plenty. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, so I know I met you at Nerd Night in Los Angeles, but you typically host Nerd Night uh, in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been hosting and organizing Orla- uh, Nerd Night in Orlando for uh, over 10 years now. Um, we're about to start our 11th season in the fall. Wow. So I'll be back in, in Orlando and we kick it off the second Thursday of second Thursday in August will be our first event of season 11. And then we have events every single month uh, for the for the season. And then we do special events in between. Uh, in normal times before COVID, I would have hosted a nerd night at Comic-Con and uh, oh, I do nice. a few other special events and things that we, you know, we have these big events that we do. And um, Comic-Con is also taking a, a, a turn, a, a weird turn, like a lot of. Yeah. The big studios aren't, they're not going to be at Comic-Con. HBO, Netflix, Disney, Marvel, everybody, you know, yeah, all these all big skipping. studios that normally want their properties there, they're not going to be there this summer. And, um, you know, that's that's scary for that particular sect of the industry, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, it's fine. I don't really care. I mean, I'm kind of tired of wearing, I, I like to take a little break from wearing tights anyway, so it's fine <laughs> for me, but. That's fair, uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's a fun event, and, uh, if if the big studios aren't going to be doing panels and and have a presence for their properties and it doesn't really give a reason for people like me to do events there, you yeah. know, uh, or or my colleagues, you know, like you know, just nerd night in general, not even me, but just like there's no point in nerd night being there if like all the fandom isn't there, you know. Right. So so my question is like, is this the end of this era? Like has has the fan, the 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 the, the fandom come to an end? Well, yeah, um, the Flash is failing. Ant Man didn't do well, you know. Like, nope. uh, uh, what know, was the last one that just came out that or uh, there's there's the too many nowadays. Yeah, what was I, the last I mean, superhero? Guardians, the Flash? Did, Guardians did okay. They Guardians did was good. good, and they they're they're. I mean, obviously they're they're more well known property, and you know you got Pratt and all these other big stars in it and stuff like that. So yeah. it's um, it, it did it did pretty good business, um, but. Um, but I would argue that like just those numbers are not really enough. I mean, it, it didn't really enter into the cultural conversation the way the first movie did or that any Marvel movie did. So even though it did good business, even though Ant-Man didn't do good business, um, neither one of those films, in my opinion, really kind of entered into the conversation the way they would have normally done so 10 years ago. Um, And in a way that matters, like I remember the first guardian movie movies coming out, and Robert Downey Jr. said that it was the best movie that Marvel had ever done. And this is the guy who was in Iron Man, yeah. the best movie that Marvel ever did. So for him to say that and then for people to just kind of go around like, you know, quoting Groot all the time and like <laughs> buying the costume, like it just it just it becomes a part of how we communicate for a time mm-hmm. period. And this movie came out and it, just, it did well, did good business and then just stopped. And then when nobody's talking about it and that yep. was only a month and a half ago. I know it seems like it's been longer, Jeez. yeah. But it's only a month and a half. The movie came out at the beginning of May, and it we've already moved yeah. on, and that's yeah, fascinating. On to the next thing. You know, like yeah. twenty years ago, if Mission the first Mission Impossible came out in the summer or whatever it was, it would have been in theaters three four months later. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? do you remember when Titanic came out? It was in it was in the <laughs> theaters for a year or over a year. Yeah, and I and I knew people had gone to see it five, six, seven times in the the theater doing the full experience and that's just not the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And in that movie, it's like, you know, you're, you'd be a foolish executive not to keep it in theaters. That's why they did such good business because people wanted to keep seeing it again. And, and uh, you know, 
James Cameron movies tend to have that effect. Both Avatar movies, you know, because they they come out right at the beginning of the award season. So if mm. they do well critically and they start winning awards, people are gonna you can have renewed interest in it because of the award season, and then they just keep it there. Um, but in the old days, you if a movie did good in the like in March, like in everything everywhere all at once, that's yeah. a good example of like it came out in March, spent a couple of months in theaters. And they brought it back because the word of mouth and the award circuit really kind of propelled it. And that movie entered into the conversation in a way that, like, no movie's really done in a long time. Definitely not yeah. a, a non-franchise, non-big budget movie. I mean, honestly, the most the, the, the movie that I can think of that entered in the way the most, like that movie, was Pulp Fiction. And that was in the 90s. Mm. A movie that wasn't a franchise movie, that wasn't really kind of anchored by a lot of A-list stars yeah um, i mean pulp fiction had a couple of a-listers but it wasn't really marketed that way it was marketed like as this really cool movie by this new auteur you know yeah. and it it stayed in the conversation it, i mean it was like competing with forrest gump you know like <laughs> so like that's huge yeah but anyway it's such yeah, a different time it's um yeah i mean the, the very fact that we can't we can't even remember you know what you were like oh what's the last one that came out it's like yikes you know we're, we're supposed to be the fans we should know these things and <laughs> yeah i know it's uh, and that's so it's interesting kind of what you said about um is this era of the fandom or of this nerd fan is it kind of closing is it you know uh, like you said at, at nerd night is this kind of like how westerns uh kind of dipped and i mean you know they would still come out eventually but they weren't as commonplace yeah, yeah. or they even struggled a little bit um Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe they're going to start being more picky about what gets made in the future. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope that they are. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of bored with them. I mean, even the ones that I kind of like, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the flash. It mm. wasn't a bad movie by any means. I, I mean, I had some questions and, and you know, problems with the third act, yeah. but it's a fun movie, but in a general sense, a lot of these movies are boring me. And I will yeah. say this. I mean, I, I definitely pointed out the Western thing, the comparison, at nerd night because i find it fascinating on a topical sense you can make the comparison to superhero movies to westerns um and but if you look at like the prime of when the westerns were like dominating hollywood that were like 25 percent of hollywood's output were westerns between the late 30s to the late 50s mm -hmm. but the crazy part about that fact is one of the most some of the most revered westerns in the history of that art form of that genre didn't come out in that period. And obviously we know the John Ford movies that are fucking classics. Yeah. When you look at the Sergio Leone movies, right, which are like huge, huge parts of the Western genre. Like that though, when I, when I was in a film film studies class and we were, we were studying that genre, the first thing we talked about wasn't John Ford. We talked about Sergio Leone mm -hmm. and his movies didn't come out in that period. So my, my feelings are like, okay, when that, when that period of high energy output, kind of dies down or comes to an end yeah like there could be somebody who was moved by that or inspired by that and then have their own take on it so maybe when we like slow down on the superhero movies in like five or six years we'll have somebody come out and do like a really great one that's like super original and fascinating and interesting again you know hopefully that, yeah that's an interesting take because because typically when i think of westerns i do think of you know good good the bad and the ugly yeah uh, you know things like that. I I don't even think I've ever seen a um a, a John Wayne movie. 
Like I've never seen the original True True Grit. Oh, that's or, interesting. Yeah, or any yeah. of those. Yeah. That's a good point. Because and like like you said, a lot of people don't they don't I mean they know the name John Wayne and they know John Ford, but like those movies were they're not really um they're just not talked about in the way they're just like the brand is talked about. Like right. The, the actors and, and the work is not really talked about in the same way, like like a Sergio Leone or like the spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood. People yeah. think of Clint Eastwood, but he did his best westerns in the late 60s, you yeah. know, like not in that that peak era. He did them in a time when like people weren't really doing westerns as much as they had used to do them. And right. yet they are. I mean, the good, bad and the ugly few dollars, a few dollars more. Uh, fistful of dollars. Those are those are some of the best ones. Movies. Yeah, yeah, those are incredible. Yeah, uh, interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting in the next 10, 20 years if like someone wants to kind of rehash a you know a story or a superhero and or see what comes up. And it, you know that they will. Really I mean, oh yeah. If if they have some, I mean, the studios are never gonna like. They, I mean, they they own these properties, so they're gonna. They're going to wring that rag out and get as much liquid out of it as possible. You know, like it's, yeah. and, and I mean, I'm actually okay with it. I mean, as much as I critique the genre and, and how I say like a lot of these movies have bored me, like there are certain characters that I'm fascinated by, you know, like I, I think a Batman is a, is a, is a, is a, a phenomenal character and it's, it's so fascinating. I mean, I haven't loved every portrayal of Batman, but I find the character fascinating. So if there's sure. if there's somebody with a great vision and a great idea and they want to try something new with the character, I think they should have at it. And um, you yeah. know, I I, I I I my favorite bat suit is probably the Zack Snyder suit. And I know most people have their critiques mm. of, of 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 Zack's uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, but I love the way he makes Batman into a brawler. You never really yeah. saw that before. Like, I mean, we we know that comic fans know that because he's like that in, in Frank Miller's version. Right. But on screen, we always kind of leaned into the detective aspect and the ninja aspect, which is also important and I love. Yeah. So, I, like, I love the Michael Keaton Batman. I love that he's just like this really, which really odd person who's uh, has some really fucked up things in his past. And I like the Chris, Christian Bale version where he's like, he's a bit more like meditative and he's a bit more of the detective and he's he's mm. kind of like the ninja you know right um but i also like the older grizzly batman that's just like that'll just like beat somebody to death you know yeah and i like the suit because the suit is more like it looks like cloth because it's meant to like form the body type and in yeah. that case you actually believe this person's a giant bat you know like in the comics Bad, bad guys like the street villains like the low level villains will always see see him and think oh my god it's a giant bat they didn't think yeah. of it as, as a guy in a suit they thought it was like a man flying around that was like half man half bat you have that great line from tim burton's batman where the, the guys are the crooks are talking about him and like yeah i heard about him he's like he's like a half man half bat and i think he drinks blood like they're all talking about him. they don't really know it's yeah. just like a guy in a costume and i like the Zack snyder suit because it's because it's so like it looks like skin almost like it looks like skin, but he added in gloves. You know what I mean? Like he just put gloves yeah. on and he had a belt and it's more terrifying that way to the bad guy because this guy is like incredibly violent. He seems to have some type of maybe extra uh, superhero strength or whatever, even though he doesn't. And he's like, a, he's just vicious. And that's, I, I like that interpretation of like how he uses that to scare people. I, oh, yeah. I um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, there's all all these different versions of Batman that we've seen on screen, and I, all of them are interesting to me, and they're all different. And 
somebody's going to come along in five or six years and make a new one, you know, have at it. I, I, I welcome it you know, sure. as a fan, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that'll be it'll be interesting to see what gets made in the future once things maybe kind of kind of die down a little bit and, you know, maybe more of the creative aspect comes back into it. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because the the first Batman was kind of like a, you know, sadly a product of the studio system, you know, like they, you know, obviously Tim Burton had a really hard time working with Warner Brothers as he's he's spoken in uh, certain behind the scenes stories. And the the second Batman was a bit more of a a Tim Burton movie and and it was better because of it, you know, (laughs) but many of us have that kind of nostalgic connection to the first one because it's such a it was such a refreshing interpretation. You know, the only times people at American audiences had seen Batman before that was Adam West. And it's just like, that's just it's a such joke. A different you know, take. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to watch when you're, you know, a kid in the sixties, I'm sure. But, uh, it, it, def- it definitely wasn't anything that was, you know, it, you know, it's it straight away from, you know, the detective aspect and the, mm-hmm. the terrifying aspect of the character and the disturbed aspect of the character. And, um, yeah. Yeah. It's it, yeah. It's such a drastic take, and I think each version has its its own take. Even once you get into the Joel Schumacher, and you know, well, it, it's like uh, James Bond films. You, you know, you've kind of got the like original Sean Connery, you know, more spy yeah, yeah. kind of classy vibe, and then it's like you get more into the to the Roger Moore's, which are more tongue in cheek. Let's you know, quick whips and you know, dozens of girls in bed, all that kind of stuff, and then it's. <laughs> It kind of reverts back for the Daniel Craig. It's more hardcore. It's, he's kind of a brawler. He's very, like, rough. Um, and you notice that all the examples that you gave are all responses to a previous interpretation. And mm. it shows how, like, how involved, you know, executives and studios and producers are are in the, the creative process. I mean, Joel Schumacher was brought on in Batman because even though people like me, Batman Returns is a phenomenal film. I thought it was yeah. great. But they thought it was too dark. You know, like they yeah. couldn't they couldn't sell advertisements toys. or toys yeah. or, you know, like because of that movie. So it's like, well, we need a lighter movie where we can like sell Batman toys at McDonald's. You know, mm-hmm. we can't have like Batman blowing people up or we can't have, you know, the, the, the scene where the penguin comes out of the water. And he has that blood in his mouth. And yeah. It's just like, but it's like it's supposed to be terrifying. Like you can't take something that's terrifying and then make it a joke because then you end up with the Adam West Batman, which no offense to him, but that's what that was you know mm-hmm. and um but yeah everything that every next interpretation is always a response to the and, previous one yeah um, and um yeah but at the same time if we didn't have that the joel schumacher movies then we would never got christopher nolan movies <laughs> true which were obviously incredible you know so that's interesting yeah yeah man um I could do this all night. I there's lots of films <laughs> I could talk about. It just because it's 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 always like one thing leads to another, which you know there's always some connectivity to, to all of it. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for for being here for doing this. Yeah, um, man. Where can people find you online? Or uh, if you're in the Orlando area or any big city, go to a nerd <laughs> night. Nerd night's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm uh, Ricardo Williams on uh, on Instagram. I use Instagram a lot, mostly just to like look at cat videos and stuff and send memes <laughs> to my my friends. Um, but uh, yeah, we have nerd nights in cities all across the world, mostly in America. Uh, I host Nerd Night in Orlando. If you go to nerdnight.com, n-e-r-d-n-i-t-e.com, you can go to the drop down menu and find a nerd night in your city. 
And if you're in Orlando, come see us. We have a free event that we host monthly um, and uh, second Thursday of the month. And uh, I'm there with uh, a lot of superhero talk and a lot of new information about, uh, you know, how to be a part of the nerd community. Absolutely. And it is well worth it. Um, I, <laughs> I highly encourage it because it's you get to meet new people and talk about nerdy stuff, which is always good. That's the best part. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jeff. This has been a lot of fun, man. Of course. No, thank you. Um, and for all of our listeners, yeah, go check out uh, the nerdtrek.com, uh, all of our other podcasts. If you're into Star Trek or other stuff, we have those too. Oh, and buy some merch if you want. I can't force you. Um, <laughs> but uh, write in as well. If you want me to watch a bad movie, good movie, I will watch anything. So um, that's it. Uh, go see a new film. Enjoy it. And then, I don't know. Films are fantastic, but go see it in the theater. It's so much better in the theater. See Just it do the it. Theater. Absolutely. Because if you don't see it in the theater, you didn't see it. That's true. It is true. Um, but that's it for us. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, and enjoy the show. <laughs>